Welcome to MTG Ectoplasm, your home for Spirit Travel and Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Dwight, aka DeBlanco, a medium that wears an extra, extra large. Listen, like I ask each and every single week, hit that follow, like, subscribe button. And let me just tell you, I'm not charging you anything, so I would appreciate it. And tell your friends and family about the show, because if you like magic, more than likely, they'll like this magic show. Now, you can reach out to me at mtgectoplasm at gmail.com, or you can, you know, tweet out to me at mtgectoplasm on Twitter. Now, before we start the show, this episode is being sponsored by our friends at Greg's Games. That's right, Greg's Games 2103, White Horse, Mercerville Road, Hamilton, New Jersey, 8619. That's right. Greg's Games, 2103, Whitehorse, Mercerville Road, Hamilton, New Jersey, 8619. Now, you can reach now if you're like you can reach out to them if you're on the Philly. Now, if you're in the northern tri-state area, you still can reach them. We're in the during the Trenton area. Let me just tell you, this is a shop that you want to go to. The reason why? He's expanded his shop. Why? Because there's tons and tons of players out there who want to start playing magic again that's right ladies and gentlemen they got magic they got pokemon they got dungeons and dragons warhammer if you're looking for like the oddest tabletop games they got it if you're looking for payton some type of card games trading card games they have it ladies and gentlemen they have everything i love this place i wouldn't recommend this place unless i use them themselves and while you're there tell greg hey mtg ectoplasm sent you it's a moral imperative if you're around uh, the New Jersey, you know, Philly, New York state area. Check out Greg's games at 2103 white horse, Mercerville road in Ham- Hamilton, New Jersey, 8619. Now that the pleasantries are over and said and done with now it's time. Now it's time to get to segment number one, numero uno. And we're going to be talking about my deck list that I used at SCG Philly. That's right. SCG Philly. Uh, for those who were unaware who didn't listen to the previous episode, uh, I showed up late. They, they already sold out of the modern uh, 10K, the first one. But then I heard, hey, they opened up a second modern 10K, and I missed it. Oops. But I ended up playing anyways. I, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to play modern because I brought my modern deck with me. And then I didn't, ended up playing a Swiss uh, round of three. But you know what? I have my deck. And I'm going to share with you the deck list that I would have used if I didn't show up late. So now, thanks to the one, the only, the Ravishing Renata do I have right next to me. How you doing, Ravishing? I'm doing good. How are you? There you go. Thank you for being here. She's going to sit there and bring up my deck list. And let's see what we got here, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. This wonderful deck list. Now, I know some of you are going to go, okay, Dwight. Share with us what's what's in this deck list. I'm gonna break it down. Ready? I had four mausoleum wanderers, three spectral sailors, four rattle chains, three selfless spirits, three shackle geist. I know some of you are like, really? Just three? Yes. Four supreme phantoms, four skyclave, four skycleave apparitions, four drug skill captains, and then four spell queller. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, well, what deck is this? Because, hold on, I didn't hear uh, Birds of Paradise. 
I didn't hear Noble Hierarch. That's right. I was playing the Azorius because, of course, I had four Aether Vial. Now, I know this next card, you, you people are going to be screaming from the mountains. I put two Prismatic Endings in the deck. That's right. I tried something different. And let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it worked in my benefit. This is something I'm just saying. This is something you may want to consider yourself. I put prismatic ending two of them in my main board. And let me just tell you, they were beneficial, hundred percent beneficial each and every single time I drew them, except for one time where the opponent drew it on me, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Lands. I was running three cavernous souls, four flooded strands, two, Hollowed Fountains, four Seacrum Coast, two Islands, two Plains, one Waterlog Grove, one Horizon Canopy, and two Marlin Hot. Your standard Azorius lands. Now, potentially, that may change. Just telling you, I may have to change this up because of segment number two. Now, as anybody would know, we typically don't see prismatic ending in our primary deck. Right, Ravishing? Right. Because, you know, usually that's something you see in the sideboard, the sideboard itself. But just because of the way the modern format is set up, you have hammer time, which is what, one or two mana at most? We have Raghavan making nonsense out there. We have Darcy out there making nonsense out there. We have Tarmogoyf out there making nonsense. We have Death Shadow out there making nonsense. There's a lot of decks out there that are one or two cards. And I thought it was a moral imperative. If I don't take out those creatures or remove those permanents, expeditiously then guess what i'm already behind the eight ball it doesn't matter if i'm on the play or if i'm on the draw my concern was can i stop them from doing their shenanigans my deck is a tempo deck but what is a tempo deck a tempo deck is a deck that controls the board state while allowing me to be aggressive. Now, my turn ones always were, you know what, turn one, Aether Vial. Because I needed to have Aether Vial out there so I could spit out my creatures left and right to make sure they hit the board state immediately. Currently, right now, the way the board state is, it's anti-creature, but extremely quick, and we have to get under the opponent. Now, I know some of you are going, well, Dwight, you really picked the wrong deck to go, you know, really quick and under the opponent. You should have gone banned. You may be right. But the way I looked at this uh, event, I was like, you know what? I want to go with a deck list that's more interactive than just some vomiting creatures, which maybe I should have done, not done it that way. I think I would have had far more better success, honestly speaking, if I was using a Bant deck. 
So what I will say currently in the current meta, if you're looking at the top decks, let's say in the spirit community, if you're, if you're looking at MTG goldfish or MTG decks or, or top eight, you're really noticing the cards, the deck list that are actually shining, honestly, are Bant decks. Why? The reason why these deck lists are shining, are growing, are glowing above all others is this reason alone. They're able to ramp and push forward and put pressure on their opponent. Because one thing I'll tell you that Raghavan players hate is pressure on them. Hammer Time players they like to put pressure on you. If once you put pressure on them, they get a little discombobulated. They get a little nervous. There's a little hiccup in their step because they're like, what am I doing? How, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not meet, meeting the level of success where I'm, I should be, but I'm not. How's it possible that a fair deck is beating them? And realistically, it's about ramping in and asserting our control over the player. Now, I, I, I realize in my infinite wisdom that I was trying to uh, uh, swim across, you know, against the currents. I was swimming against the riptide. Or shall you know? Sw- yeah, I'm swimming against the riptide because I thought in my infinite wisdom, hey, interact interactivity with my opponent at this stage would allow me access to victory. Why? Because I'm looking at Burn, and I'm no Burn is a great matchup for us. We can beat the hell out of Burn, Merktide. I believe we have the success. We could beat Murktide. There's many decks out there that I just believe that if we sit there and challenge them, we could beat them without a thought. But there's other decks out there. The one that beat me handily was Jund. That's one deck that I, I, I really did prepare for. It was one that I tactically knew the cards that I was going to sit there and use my sideboard on. But unfortunately, each and every single time, this opponent did everything in his power to screw me over. And hands down, I, I think it's my half where the two times I was mana screwed. The two times I was literally mana screwed. And then when I had an opportunity to slightly get ahead with an Aether Vial, he ragavoned me, exiled the top card from my library, and the card that I needed to use against him, he used against me, was Prismatic Ending. He used my own Prismatic Ending against me, which would have been useful because that next turn, that turn, he ended up playing Tarmogoyf. I couldn't keep a creature on my board state because Tarmogoyf was already large enough. And because Tarmogoyf is two mana and I'm running white blue, of course I could wipe the board with Tarmogoyf and not have an 
inkling of worry to deal with Jund. But if you if you're new to spirits and doesn't that don't that really doesn't know how to play against Jund. Right now, the way Jund is set up, Jund is going to win almost every single time. I think Jund actually won the last modern challenge this past weekend. I believe on Saturday. And why is that? Because they can look at your hand. They can destroy your creatures. They have cheap creatures that left and right. And they have this one evil, sinister son of a bitch. And I hate to say it that way, but Red and Six. Ren and Six is literally the bane of our deck. I thought there were other cards. Literally, Ren and Six, I'm praying, gets banned. And it seems like, more than likely, my thought process of it getting banned became a lot brighter thanks to Neon Dynasty. But my deck list, let's look at my regular deck list. If you look, it's the standard. It came in handy. My one mana creatures, my mausoleum wonders and spectral sailors came out beautifully. My opponents did not have an answer, could not answer the fact that, oh, if they tried to attack me or cast a spell, I had answers. There came a time where they just, I, I had two mausoleum wanderers on the board. They removed one and I could have countered the spell. And I said, no, I'm not going to counter that because they're still going to just remove a certain particular creature. And I'm happy I didn't because guess what? I ended up using that mausoleum wanderer to smash the opponent over and over and over again. I found my key to victory there. Now rattle chains, rattle chains, as we all know, is this, what I call a pseudo Lord. It's not a real Lord, but it's slightly a pseudo Lord. Reason why I say that is because it gives all spirits flash. So it's pseudo. It came in handy because the fact that I flashed it in on key cards. I had a drug school captain in play and they wanted to destroy it. I was like, mm, no, I'm going to rattle change that. Give it hex proof. Now, my friend, you can't do anything. No, you cannot. It will not do anything to it. And for good measure, oh, I am now going to play Mausoleum Wanderer and pray for your next card. Then you try to cast because I'm going to counter it. I'm going to counter it completely. Shacklegeist. Shacklegeist was a benefit because there were times where I saw creatures come in that were big, big bruisers, and I'm like, okay. And the fortunate enough, I did have the Moreland Haunt. I tapped my Moreland Haunt to put a little 1-1 one, one on the battlefield, and my opponent wasn't aware of it. They were like... They saw Morland Hunt. I explained to them what Morland Hunt did, and they attacked me with this big creature. I was like, okay, I'll exile a card from my graveyard. I'll put a little 1-1 one, one onto the battlefield. I'll do my Shacklegeist, and before you can uh, declare, you know, on your attack phase, before you declare attackers, I'm going to your, tap your creature. That opponent, opponent was like, uh, 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 what do I do? It, it was wonderful seeing the tears. Now, selfless spirit, I'll be honest with you. 
really did nothing. I was hoping for more. I was like, I was like, you know what? Maybe just maybe this card will shine. It, it, it absolutely did nothing. Zero for me in this format. In modern. Supreme Phantom. Supreme Phantom is what it is. And one thing I do enjoy about it, it has a big booty. It really soaks in the damage. My wife over here, ravishing, is laughing because, you know, she got a big booty, right? <laughs> I'm going to get that. I'm going to get punished later. It's okay. No chocolate milk for me tonight. No. But back to Supreme Phantom. It's got a big booty. It can absorb damage. So, oh, I can protect, you know, I can tap an opponent's creature when attacking me. Oh, and I can take a little, you know, little tiny one, two, maybe a one, one, a two, two. And I have no fear, no worry. Skyclave. Holy cow. Skyclave apparition was wonderful. Wonderful. Let me just tell you. Ragavan bit it each and every single time when Skyclave Apparition. Ragavan, let me just tell you, I had Ragavan's number with Prismatic Ending and Skyclave Apparition. Ragavan had no, that silly little monkey, I was spanking that monkey, and I was spanking him well. And then obviously, Drug School Captain, it is what it is, and Spell Queller. Honestly, in all my, in my games, Spell Queller only came out maybe once and unfortunately i i wish i would have seen it more now the one card like i keep on saying prismatic ending is something that you don't normally see in the in the main deck i think personally uh i may end up going three in this deck i i really personally feel we've come to a time where it's like you know what it's either protect creatures or remove permanents that really affect us on our opponent's side. If I'm going to stick with an Azorius build, guess what? Some three selfless spirit ain't cutting it. I'm going to probably go probably uh, remove the selfless spirit and go with something else and go three prismatic ending or I just might end up doing uh, uh, Thalia, and my I'm, I just might bring back Thalia into my deck to see what I can do, and that might come in handy in segment number two. Now, land wise, let me just tell you, the Cavern of Souls, I only saw once. The Flood of the Strand, the Hollowed Fountain, came in well. The Seacrum Coast. I ended up getting maybe one on turn four or five, and I was really disappointed with it. I was like, well, I wish I had a different card. I wish I had a different land. Now, the plains and and the islands were okay. The waterlogged groves and the uh, uh, horizon canopy were delicious because there was a point where in the game that I was like, you know what? I personally need the card draw and it came in beneficial but unfortunately i may end up having to change these lands 
Now, unfortunately, I did not display my sideboard. That's all right. My sideboard, you know, the, the only key cards that really came in handy in my sideboard, honestly, were Rest in Peace and, re, uh, and the Remorseful Clerk, Cleric. That's it. The rest of my sideboard was meh. It didn't, the certain matchups, I didn't get. Certain cards that I was looking for never came up. Yes, I had uh, two force of will. I even put an island of the rhetoric in there to see what would happen. Because I didn't play against any artifact decks. Uh, I, I, you know, Kataki didn't do anything for me or Stony Science didn't do anything for me. I didn't face uh, any Tron. I didn't face, you know, so uh, Lavinia, the Azorius Renegade didn't come in handy. So realistically, my sideboard was just there. The only time, honestly, the my sideboard came in handy was the uh, Forge Tender. Uh, Barnen, uh, I think it's Brandon, Brandon, something Forge Tender. They're, they're the uh, one mana white, uh, one one white Kithkin uh, clerics that have protection from red, and if you sacrifice them, it protects you from uh, a red source that does you damage. Let me just tell you, those came in handy. Came in handy left and right. I'm at the point where I'm just praying wizards give me a, a, a spirit that has protection from white and black. If I could get that, holy crap, our deck would turn around instantaneously. Maybe that's something that we should, as a, a spirit community, voice our opinion. We need... You know, they want to give us protection. You know, they want to give protection here, protection over there. Give us some of this protection. We'll take some protection from white and black. Give us a white card that sits there and allows us to phase out an opponent's creature. Besides, you know, cemetery uh, uh, adversary. But I had a great time with my deck. I think it was beneficial. I, I, I did learn. And one thing I learned, Azarius is not where it's at right now. If you're going to actually compete and really play, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you Bant. Bant is the way to go. Now, that's the end of segment number two. And now I got an announcement. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I love making these announcements. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have to say it that way to the Ravishing Renata. She allowed me to sit there and uh, start purchasing some cards and some gameplay for MTGO. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I started playing MTGO. I got my mono blue snow build in Pioneer. I got my white blue, oh, sorry, my Azorius uh, spirit deck in Pioneer. And I'm only two cards away because these cards are a little pricey from getting my Azorius modern deck. Now I know you're going, Dwight, didn't you just say no Azorius go bant? You know, know, I'm going to start here and then I'm going to grow, you know, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. 
So, you know, I will be building so I can get to the band and play band. But I'm making you aware that, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm buying in. I'm going to start, you know, learning how MTGL works. The other day I had an old deck list and uh, for some reason it was, for some reason MTGO is not really user friendly. It's like, oh, I want to use this ability. How does this work? Oh, I want to do this. And it really, it's awful. I really, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a fan of how MTG, MTGO works, but I'm a much better fan of MTGO than I am of Arena. Arena does look prettier. It does look nice. It's a lot simpler to use, but I want to play modern. I want to play pioneer. That's where you guys are. And why would I not want to play it? And then eventually post up my, the way I play and show how I do things to you guys. So eventually my, what we call MTG ectoplasm gameplay is coming. So thank you, Ravishing. You're welcome. Now segment number two, numero dos, we're going to be talking about Kamagawa channel lands, for spirits. That's right. Kamagawa Channel Lands for Spirits. Now you're going to go, Dwight, really? Really? Well, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, there were a couple lands that I found me wanting. Now let's be honest with one another, shall we? These Channel Lands are amazing. They're not just meh. They're absolutely amazing. The reason why I see it that way is because they come into play and they don't tap. They're like a basic land, but more. Yes, they're delicious. So while doing research for these, I stumbled upon something that I did not know. And I played during Kamigawa. And it's the basic lands. Now, if you look at the original printing of Kamagawa, the basic lands, the forests, the islands, the mountains, the plains, and the swamps, if you put them together, they make a panoramic view. Now, you wouldn't be able to tell this just because they have the, the mana symbols here and there. But once you get, go over... you will see they make one giant image and it's wonderful. It's beautiful to stare at. For example, the plain ones, it looks distant and vast and you can see the distant planes. The only way I can explain it, ladies and gentlemen, is because I went to Denver, Colorado and to the right, you could see the majestic Rocky mountains like the mountains. And it was beautiful to stare at. That's if you look to your west. And then if you look to your east, you see nothing but a vast flat land. And that's basically, if you look at the mountains and the plains, that's basically what Colorado to me looks like from one side to the other. Now, if you look at the islands, it's beautiful. You have the cascading waterfalls in the background of islands. Now, the swamps. Wow, whoever designed these swamps were genius. 
because they have little sticks and trees that block the swampy area and you can see the desolate the the flavor of what a swamp would look like and then the forest hell i live out in the sticks i live what they call near the ass and pink now you can add your joke here but it's nothing but pure forests and this image it reminds me of just looking in my backyard and seeing absolutely nothing but just pure trees and nature so if you get a chance ladies and gentlemen if you're listening to this podcast through uh google podcast uh let's see uh i guess apple podcast spotify if you're listening you may want to go to the uh check out on me check me out on youtube mtg ectoplasm and just check this out and see the pretty images or if not just go to google and just type in kamagawa basic lands and you'll see these images and you're just going to go your mouth is going to drop and go wow this is absolutely stunning and beautiful this, this like i wasn't expecting this because all i wanted to do was talk about these channel basic lands the uh, sorry these channel uh legendary lands and these basic lands popped out and i was like you know what i gotta share this with the audience even my wife the ravishing was like wow right yeah they're nice they're pretty I mean, it's hard for me to pick out which is my favorite, but wow. But let's get back to the Kamagawa Neon Dynasty channel lands, legendary lands. These lands are basically just better. They're just better than basic lands. Like I said, as you were looking at the screen or, you know, I got Atara soaring city legendary land one blue it has channel for four now as we know these lands get cheaper for each legendary creature in play even though these cards themselves are legendary they don't make it cheaper now these cards have to meet a certain criteria they have to meet a certain deck they're not for every deck out there but the question is why wouldn't you not want to consider them for most or the majority of decks out there and then you got to consider what is the right amount now the hardest point that you and i as a player are going to go well what is the right amount what is one two four like what what's the right number here i'm going to share that with you and then finally certain deck lists certain decks well we all know life of the loam is going to take advantage of this you know i know we both know we know ren and six is going to abuse this especially with Basaju. They know, you know, they're going to take advantage of this. This is, that's the reason why I say, you know what? Keep an eye for a banning. Those I potentially see Ren and Six biting it. Expedition map. You're telling me that Tron is not going to want to consider this? 
Tron is not going to want the Tron already has Tron lands. Okay, fine. If they already have their Tron lands and they have an expedition land, I mean, expedition map, they're not going to want to pull up a Bazaju. You really don't think so? And the other deck that's going to take advantage of this is Prime Time, Prime Evil Titan. If you don't think that, or uh, uh, what's the other? Uh, oh, it, you sacrifice your lands, you bring up other lands. Uh, you, you, the listening audience, know what I'm talking about. That's going to come in handy with this. It's going to be disgusting with these lands. And I'm telling you now, as a spirit player, these lands may be exactly what we may need. Unfortunately, we only got three colors. We got the blue one, which is the Atara Soaring City. And then we have a Jaiju, the seat of the empire. And then finally, the Baseju, uh, Baseju who endures. So let's talk about Otara, the Soaring City first. This card allows us to bounce what? It allows us to return a target artifact, a creature, enchantment, or a planeswalker back to their owner's hands, but you got to pay four mana. It's mana intensive. It's mana heavy. And if you have a legendary creature, fine, it's okay. You know, it lessens the amount. But realistically and honestly, we're spirit players. How many legendary creatures do we play? Realistically, I can think of two. That would be one that would be Thalia and then Kira, the great class spinner. But realistically, how many times do we actually play them in our decks? This is basically old tech, and Kira, uh, Kira the Great Glassmaner generally is what? Our sideboard card. This, this card is great for control decks. This is amazing for control decks. This should be great and amazing for tempo decks or fear decks. Unfortunately, as much as I like this card, I'm going to be honest, this is more of a Murpho card. It fits Murpho deliciously or if you're a pioneer player just throwing this out there for you mono blue snow i know some of you are like well dwight you're taking away from the snow you're right but we're only taking away two of the snow i know some of us right now are playing what three faceless havens if we cut it back to two faceless of ha uh, two faceless havens and then end up going to atara soaring cities let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there may be a point in the game where we're so far ahead that guess what? They may have a flying creature. Fine. I'll bounce it back so I can deal with, you know, coming in and beating you. Or if there's a large creature that they have on their board state, we can bounce it back, take advantage. Yeah, we're going to take advantage of it. Now, the one reason why I don't mind it in spirits even though it's an expensive, expensive mana killer. Is this. There are times that we deal with creatures that have mana that are greater than four. And we have no answer. 
There's nothing we can do. And there's other times where we've got creatures that are less than four mana. What we can do is try to find a way to bounce it back and then counter. Now, realistically, what is our counter spells? Our spell, our counter spells generally is what? And it's these two cards, Spell Queller and Mausoleum Wanderer. But you're telling me there isn't a, a card less than four mana that doesn't really get under us? That doesn't annoy the crap out of us? Yeah, it's it's a very expensive to pay. But say if we have a Aether Vial on the board, it makes the pain a little less because we then can tap the mana, bounce the creature back to their opponent's hand or return an enchantment or return a, a planeswalker or artifact back to their opponent's hand. And then guess what? Oh, that's right. If they try to count, play it, I can spell color it. This makes me think of cards like what? Ren and six. This makes me think of ensnaring bridge. There's many cards out there that make me think how great this card would be. Now, let me just ask you, let me bring up that image again. I want to ask you, if you look at the card and let me reread it to you. Channel. Three generic, one blue. You discard Atara, Soaring City. Return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker back to their owner's hand. Why didn't they say non-land permanent? Just throwing that out there. Why did they not say non-land permanent? What is it about that non-land permanence they had an issue with? If you know, do me a favor, email me, mtgectoplasm at gmail.com, and you let me know what your thought process is. Now, the next card is a Jonjo Seed of the Empire. I love this card. This is a card that I, I have been... Uh, taking my shoe off and banging my table for. I love this card. I think it's a moral imperative, this card. This card fits perfectly in control decks, once again, and tempo decks. Tempo decks like spirits. Why do I say this, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, it's three mana. It's three mana. Let's, let's read it. Channel. Pay two generic and one white. Discarded John Joe, the seat of the empire. And then what? It deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Okay. This ability costs one less to activate for each non-legendary creature you control. So we know that the last statement, the last sentence is going to be the same. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature. So it goes back to what legendary creatures are we running? We're not. So for us, it's going to be full price. Now, I hear a lot of people going, 
this sucks because it's attacking or blocking. Okay. I, I see your point. You'd rather do it maybe at a, at the end of an opponent's turn, you know, so you can do something so you can get the win. So you don't have to, you can bypass potentially their second main phase. But let me ask you, if you have an Aether Vial in play that allows you the interactivity of your deck, and they say, I'm going to attack with this for three mana, and it's a land? It's a free spell that you get to destroy a creature that's coming at you. Come at me, Tarmogoyf. It's all good. Come at me, my friend. I uh, uh, let's see, Ragavan. There are so many creatures that I look at this like, how am I bothered? Oh, I'm gonna fly over with a spirit. Oh, they're gonna bl block with a Murktide Regent. Okay, you're blocking it. I'll I'll do this to kill. Uh, attempt to kill it. Or you're attacking me with that creature. I'm going to attempt to kill it. How is this How is this a bad card for us in spirits? I think this is a sleeper card. I think people are unaware of the true power behind this card. And the fact that people will not be expecting it only when they attack, it makes the, it's going to put a hesitation on them. You do it the first time doesn't matter if it's game one or game two. They're going to be like, oh, how many of these cards do they have? Just throwing it out there. I love this card. I especially love this art. Me personally, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be running too. I, I really love this card, and I have a... a, a I do believe that this card is going to help spirits in the long term. Now comes the one, the only, the one that I'm going to say that people have been screaming from the rooftops. It is so far the most powerful and the best legendary channel land there is. It's hard for me to besmirch it. It really is. I like the card. I love, you know, but why does green keep on getting the best? And it's by Seiju who endures. Seiju who endures. This fits every and any green deck available. This made Jun better. This made... Uh, what else? The John, the, it made Tron better. You, you name a green deck. Hell, Vance Spirits got better with this. You're telling me you wouldn't want to run this in Vance Spirits? You're not going to run a minimum of two in Bant? This, this here wipes out a basic, a non-basic land on their turn. You know what? Let me read it for the listening audience who aren't aware of this card. It taps for green. 
like the other ones they tap won't tap you know uh, uh let's see atara taps for blue and it doesn't come in the play tapped ajanja the seat of the empire comes in you know comes in the play non-tapped and it taps for white but Seiju, who endures comes to the play non-tapped and it taps for green it's a not legendary land it has channel the channel cost is stupid ridiculous it's a generic and one green that's right a generic one green when you discard Beseju, who endures destroy target artifact enchantment or non-basic land what what this is a card that i have been asking for that we the spirit community could use because there's a lot of land cards out there back in the day that caused a lot of trouble and what were they tron number one number two one i was screaming for it was the uh, valley of the dead oh my god that that, that card was just oh great you played another zombie and another zombie oh my god i was screaming for this card the fact that it's a land that it's a free spell ha this is delicious now the one part upsets me the reason why i say it that way is because it's not a naturalize it's not Naturalize is an instant that allows us to do what? It allows us to dest destroy an artifact or an enchantment. Yes, this allows us to destroy an artifact enchantment, but let me read you in the next part, uh, next sentence. That player may search the library for a land card with a basic land type and put the land, uh, put it on the battlefield and then shuffle their library. So if you destroy an artifact or an enchantment, or non-basic, they're already fetching for a basic land. Ugh. So if you're not, if you're going for an artifact or a, uh, a artifact or an enchantment, you just gave them land. You been you made them benefit with land. You gave them a slight ramp. Now, if it's a bad non-basic land, fine. It's it, it, it's even even Steven, but maybe better off because you don't have to deal with that crazy non-basic land. But where does this benefit us? Where does this benefit right now? And can we be honest with one another? Artifacts are all over the place. Enchantments. Let me just tell you, the one card that you has its number now I was thinking to myself, what are we going to do? There's there's nothing we can do about this card. I Now I understand why they didn't ban it. And that's Urza Saga. I didn't understand why they didn't ban it. Here, here's your answer why. But Seiju, who endures, is the number one reason why they're not banning it. Because they know everybody and their mother wants to get their hands on this card. The image that I'm showing you right now on YouTube, this card is going for a minimum of $75 right now on eBay. A minimum of 75. Non-basic, just a regular howdy doody lands, 25 bucks a piece. Because that's how powerful, that's how great this card is. It's an amazing, disgusting card.
Yes, it gets rid of prob- problematic artifacts. It gets rid of problematic enchantments like uh, Sagada's Aid. It gets rid of problematic non-basic lands like Urza Saga. We just got to remember they get a free land once we destroy their stuff. Now, great cards we get to help destroy. This card just puts the beating on hammer time. It puts the beating on Tron and Urza Saga. It puts the beating on Blood Moon and Ensnaring Bridge. Blood Moon and Ensnaring Bridge. How many times do you want to just grab your opponent's card and rip it in half? How many times? Well, ladies and gentlemen, now we have our answer. But this gets me back to my original point. There's going to be a card that needs to get banned. I'm going to have to call for it right now. I'm, I'm calling out Watsy. You need to do something about Ren and Six. Ren and Six needs to get the ban hammer. Because it's not going to be fair that Ren and Six, you get to use this ability, and then guess what? Oh, I get to get the land back, and I get to use its ability. Get the land back, I get to use the ability each and every single turn. It's not right, it's not fair, and it's not, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. And I'm calling for the ban of Ren and Six. And I love Ren and Six. I think Ren and Six was was one of the most amazing plane walkers in, in original designs that we have seen in a long time from Modern Horizons 1. But right now, it's a not a fair... It's not, it's not a fair card. The red one, the red uh, channel lane... Okay, I love spirits, but come on. I get two spirits? Meh. Meh. For four mana? Meh. So you tell me, ladies and gentlemen, what is your thoughts? Reach out to me at mtgectoplasm at gmail.com and share with me your wisdom, your insight, your thought process. Am I wrong in thinking that, you know what, that these Kamigawa lands are not amazing? I think they're stellar. I think they're great. Let me know. Is Atara exactly what I think it is? Am I overdoing a Jonjo, the Seed of the Empire? I, I'm going stupid about this card. I think it's the second best land from this set next to Baseju. Now, this is my thought. And I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, Atara, Soaring City, I'm not going to... I To play the, the tryout, I'll probably put two. But realistically, knowing my gameplay or gameplay out there, not going to make it. Not going to make it at all. An Azorius build... I really think a John Joe, the seat of the empire, there's, it's going to be a two of, I really do. I really think it's going to be a two of, and I think it's moral imperative now that we start putting prismatic ending in the main instead of the side. And then beside you. 
who endures. I see it. If you're not running it in band, you're already behind the eight ball. This has answers. This gives you answers. Did I? Here, I'll repeat them again. Ready? Here's your answers. Hammer time. It answers almost every single card in hammer time. It answers Urza's Saga. It answers Tron. It answers Blood Moon. It answers Ensnaring Bridge. Hell, well, well, like Amulet of Vigor. It's got its answer there too, my friends. If you're not running that in Bant, I, I, I can't help you. I know Dr. Queller, I, in his infinite wisdom, is going to prove me 100% wrong, but I, uh, I'm i going to do it. These, talk, these cards are way too powerful for us to let them sit on the sideline and not take advantage of. Everybody and their mother right now is using uh, Urza Saga. Hell, Nikachu. Nikachu, the Merfolk Master, is now running Urza Saga in his deck. It made me think. It made me inquire. Should spirits run it? Is it in our interest to run Urza Saga? No, no, it's not. But I would like to hear from you. I would like to know from you. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time where I want to say thank you for listening and watching to the show. Do me a favor, hit that follow, like, subscribe button, and do me the favor. Then next time you're kicking your opponent's ass, make sure they say that's Boo Sheet. We're out of here. Have a good one.